If you want to follow along as I read the gospel lesson today, it's in Mark's gospel, the second chapter, starting with verses 23, and I'll read through chapter 3, verse 6. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. Then the Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? Jesus answered, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for the priests to eat, and he also gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Another time Jesus went into the synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal the man on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, Stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them, Which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, or to save life or to kill? But they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. He said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. May the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Former Brooklyn and Los Angeles Dodger and Hall of Famer Sandy Koufax is probably best known for his blistering fastball. No hitters for four consecutive years, capped with a perfect game in 1965. But what many people may not know about Sandy Koufax is that he refused to pitch game one in the 1965 World Series because it fell on Yom Kippur the Jewish Day of Atonement, which is known to the Jews as the Sabbath of Sabbaths. His story even inspired a poet to write about his courageous stand. Much later, the film Chariots of Fire told the story of a Scottish track star who would not run in an Olympic heat scheduled for a Sunday. That was his Sabbath. It also the movie did, depicted a Jewish sprinter who confronted anti-Semitism. And then there was a much less known veteran academy in Houston, Texas, several years ago, whose basketball team qualified for the playoffs in their private school league. No poetry, no films, but certainly a story of significance nonetheless. A conflict arose when a crucial game was slated for the Jewish Sabbath, Sundown Friday to sundown Saturday. And the school made the decision not to play on the Sabbath. They were willing to forfeit the game because of its remembrance of the Sabbath. 
And the sports officials for the private school league refused to move the schedule. The school, the Jewish school, ended up filing a lawsuit and the league was ordered to reschedule the games to allow the Jewish school to play. And they went on to the finals. They lost the game, but they won the victory. They stood on their principles even though it may have cost them the playoffs. Today, in the few moments that we have, I'd like for us to reflect on how we approach Sabbath. Often we face decisions that conflict with the practice of our theology as well as how and when we worship together. We live, if we would just be honest, we live in a 24-7 world when we can get anything we want, anytime, any place. And this creates a culture war between the biblical idea of setting apart one 24-hour a day per week and of our, with our attempts to live eight days a week. God designed it for us to work six and rest one. Our culture today says we need eight days a week. Graduates, you will be going off to college. You will be getting into the marketplace. And each of you will face a tension between your Christian values, systems, your beliefs, and the expectations that are placed upon you. And let me speak from experience. It is very difficult. Many of you can understand that. It's difficult just in the way we live, but when you're going through the academic uh, routine and the rigor, uh, it's, it's very challenging to continue and to embrace all of the practices that you have been following thus far. That's why it's important for us to pray for our graduates, and that's why it's important for them to feel that they have an extended, uh, encouraging family here. Today's message is not to impose a legalistic approach of when and how to worship or what to do and what not to do on a Sunday. I don't want you to hear me saying that. And it's not intended to judge the decisions that we make. But rather, today's message is simply to provide a biblical framework to help you, to help us, live in such a way to keep the Sabbath, to remember the Sabbath day, and to keep it holy. I believe this happens when we live like Jesus, when we love God, when we love neighbor, and love ourselves, which is really the essence of Sabbath. So whether you all are able to carve out time on a Sunday or whether it has to be another day of the week because Sunday is filled with other school or work responsibilities, it's important to remember Sabbath and keep it holy. When we read Mark's Gospel, we see very quickly that Jesus was faced with many challenges. And the last, there were five of them, the last two dealt with his way of approaching Sabbath. He had a radical view on what it meant. He was accused of blasphemy, eating with sinners, and not observing fasts. But then he was accused of violating Sabbath because he allowed his disciples to pluck grain on the Sabbath. And he also was accused of violating Sabbath by healing a man on the Sabbath. And I want to take just a few moments to refresh ourselves on why Jesus was accused in such a way. Let's remember that Sabbath has its roots in creation. We go back to Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. We see these, these verses. God set it in place. 
By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on, the re- on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Sabbath is, is, is with us. It's part of us. It was from the very beginning. It means to rest from labor. It's from a Hebrew, the Hebrew word Shabbat. God rested, hence we are to follow in that same way. Remember that when the Israelites were in the wilderness that God provided manna from heaven, bread from heaven, and quail, meat for them to eat. He provided enough for six days, and on the sixth day they were charged to gather twice as much so that they would have enough for the seventh day where they would not have to labor. So the people understood this. They understood they could depend on God. Six days of labor and rest on the seventh. So Sabbath has its roots in creation, and Sabbath also has its key ingredient for our relationships with God and others. If we, we don't have time this morning, but if you go back to Exodus chapter 20, uh, verse 8 and following, you see where God put in place the fourth commandment, which is to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. And then in Mark 12, we see the verses where Jesus said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love neighbor as self. All of this has, this relationship uh, component has its roots in Sabbath. Remembering the Sabbath keeps us in a regular, ongoing lifestyle where worship of God is central, loving God, loving neighbor as ourselves. And Jesus, so Jesus, I believe, is placing value over human relationships as opposed to legalistic keeping of the law. He's saying human beings in our relationships with them and our relationship with God, loving one another is more important than a legalistic approach to keeping the law. And that's where when Jesus was accused of allowing his disciples to pluck grain on the Sabbath, he brought up the story of the Old Testament when, Sam, when David was running from King Saul and came to the city of Nob, N-O-B, and was hungry and his companions were hungry and he went to the high priest and he asked for food and the high priest gave David the showbread. This is the the round loaves that were placed on the table in the holy place of the tabernacle. It was only supposed to be eaten by the priests after they had replenished it with new bread. They do that once a week. And David is, is, is fed by food that was supposed to be ceremonially kept for the priests. And David then turned and fed his companions. And Jesus brings this up to the Pharisees who are the experts in the law. And he said, if it was good for David and his companions back then to eat something that was supposed to be kept for a religious ceremonial purpose, what's the difference for, from uh, my disciples plucking grain and meeting a human need? He's saying a human need is more important than a legalistic approach to the law. And this is what continued to uh, drive the, the Pharisees after Jesus because they couldn't stand it. Jesus was accused of violating all of the Sabbath laws that dealt with the prohibitions on the Sabbath, and there were many of them. 
you and I can learn from this, that if Jesus valued human relationships in such a way, then so should, so should we. As we practice our theology today, we need to remember that Sabbath keeping is about loving God and loving neighbor as ourselves. As we practice our theology, I want to offer some thoughts for us to consider. With this in mind, that the best way to use sacred things is to help them, is to help others. The best way to use sacred things is to use them to help others. All that we have, all that we look at in, in our comp, uh, church's congregation and the campus and all the resources that we have, uh, they are not meant for us to hoard or to protect, but rather these sacred things are, are to be used to help others. Our financials, uh, our campus, uh, the resources that we have. So remember that, that's part of Sabbath keeping is even the way that we use our resources. After Jesus reminded the Pharisees of the spirit of the law as opposed to the letter of the law, he made some radical statements about the Sabbath. In my interpretation, he said, Sabbath is God's gift to us. In chapter 2, verse 27 and 28, Jesus said, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord of even the Sabbath. He created it all and gave it to us as a gift. It is a grace gift by God's graceful design. As the Messiah, Jesus was not subject to Sabbath restrictions. He created everything and at any moment could assert his leadership over the Sabbath. God intended the Sabbath to be a blessing, not a burden. And we also remember that Sabbath keeping is for go doing good to others. No human institution or tradition, religious or other, should take precedence over the essence of Sabbath, loving God, loving neighbor as ourselves. And the other example that Jesus showed was the man who was there in the synagogue with a withered hand. And although it was unlawful for a healing like that to take place, According to the Mosaic law, Jesus healed the man anyway. And he said in verse 4 of chapter 3, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? And they couldn't answer his question. They were silent, but Jesus saw their stubborn hearts. I imagine that it was like when Jesus saw the money changers in the temple and was disgusted and overturned those tables. I sense this is the same thought that he had when he saw the Pharisees criticizing healing on the Sabbath. And after they saw him do this, they began to plot how they might kill him. Jesus risked his life by putting human need over and above religious tradition. In his biography on Dietrich Bonhoeffer, author Eric McTaxis writes, Dietrich Bonhoeffer often spoke of Jesus Christ as the man for others as selfless, incarnate, loving, and serving others to the absolute exclusion of his needs and desires. Similarly, the church of Jesus Christ exists for others. And since Christ is Lord over the whole world, not just the church, the church exists to reach out beyond itself, to speak out for the voiceless, to defend the weak and the fatherless. Isn't it interesting that the Pharisees were so hypocritical 
They didn't want someone else preparing a meal or healing someone on the Sabbath, but they themselves didn't think twice about plotting to kill a man on the same day. That's how legalism works if we're not careful. So questions in your sermon notes for us to reflect on this week is how might we as Christians practice Sabbath in today's 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week world? That we would remember Sabbath is God's grace to us. That we would remember the Sabbath and seek to keep it holy. And that we would remember that Sabbath living is not just for Sunday. Sabbath living is every day. In the last year of his life, Henry Nouwen said of his stress and busyness, somehow I nearly lost God in my busy life for God. And that we would remember regular quietness and attentiveness of Sabbath keeping continually reminds us of whose we are, God's, and whom we serve, one another. Isaiah writes, if you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath, And from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it not by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord. Today we remember the Sabbath day by breaking bread together as one church family. How beautiful it is when God's people dwell together in unity. I don't know of any other time that the church is more unified than when we gather and break bread together. We remember that Jesus gathered with his disciples on the night that he was betrayed, and he took bread, and he blessed it and broke it, and he gave thanks. And he told his disciples, as often as you meet, take, eat, this do in remembrance of me. And in the same way, Jesus took the cup of wine and blessed it and poured it out, saying, This is my blood shed for you for the remission of your sins and the sins of many. As often as you meet together, take, drink, this do in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the coming of the Son of Man.